You're listening to the Husker CuzCast Sports Show. Now, here's Justin Fielder, Derek Stafford, and Tyler Schaefer. Hello, and welcome to the Husker CuzCast Sports Show. Justin here, along with the cousins Derek and Tanner. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, at HuskerCuzCast, for all podcast updates and more. It is our Purdue recap episode. Uh, we're headed up onto a bye week. Nebraska loses a tough road game, 43-37. Uh, we'll be talking about that. And then a little bit later, since it's the bye week, we don't have a team to preview. So we will have a conversation about the coaching search. And we'll throw out some names and we'll hand out some grades, I guess, uh, using a baseball analogy. If it's a home run higher, well, maybe there, we can have triples, doubles, singles, or ground outs, I guess. I don't know. Uh, so we'll look at that, but uh, let's talk about this Purdue game, guys. Uh, you guys met up for the game, so uh, tell me how that went. It was a great time. We had a, we had a blast. The uh, only thing that could have made it really better was uh, maybe a Nebraska win. <laughs> I got to kick Tyler's ass in golf two rounds, so that was pretty nice. That's not That's not like a tough thing, though. <laughs> I mean, that's not hard. <laughs> well, you're right. It wasn't, and 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 it was a blast golfing and a blast hanging out. And there was, but there was some great college football on last weekend. We got to catch the end of the Bama loss, which that that was always good when Alabama loses, uh, Minnesota loses, uh, Wisconsin loses. I mean, lots lots of good things happened last weekend. Lots. Of I won games. gambling. Wow, this is a tough week. Yeah. Uh, all right, well, let's talk about this Purdue game. I guess uh, we're going to start with the offense here. Uh, Trey Palmer is obviously the story. Uh, 237 yards receiving. Uh, he was the only offense that we had. But, uh, Tyler, talk about your thoughts on the offense from what you saw Saturday night. I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I think it's only fair to start with Trey Palmer. I mean, what he did was an epic performance. And 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 I, before I talk about what he did on Saturday, I just I think the biggest takeaway from this game is what that's going to do to defenses the rest of the year, because you're going to have to scout the hell out of him. But it, that that's going to open up so much. But yeah, on on Saturday he had thirteen uh thirteen targets of the twenty nine pass attempts. Um, he ended up with seven catches, two hundred thirty seven yards, two TDs, and one carry. And the thing is, is he was probably open more. And probably could have ended up having a bigger game had he been hit more. Um, I mean, he had a couple plays where he was open downfield and the ball was slightly underthrown, and they could have been bigger touchdowns. Purdue could not stop him. Um, yeah, it it was an epic performance, probably the, as good a performance wide receivers ever had in Lincoln. I can never, I cannot think of one comparable. Yeah, Derek, your thoughts on Trey Palmer? I mean, it was great. I mean, <laughs> You can't have any complaints, hardly. Uh, it, it was one of the most memorable games I've seen out of any player, outside of maybe uh, Amir Abdul having 341 yards of uh, total offense. Or I think it was all-purpose yards, actually. Uh, man, I, I, you know, I don't know. It, it was really fun to watch. I just wish we could have resulted in a better result of the game. Yeah, I mean, it was that one part was intense. Uh, what things that didn't look good out of the offense was the rushing attack. Uh, 
Trey, Trey Palmer, he did have that long run. Uh, 72 yards, is that what it was? 60. 60, 60 yards? Okay. 60-yard rush. Uh, so that <coughs> accounted for half of our, almost half of our uh, rushing yards. Uh, hey, it should, keep, it, keep in mind, though, it should have been even worse than that because if uh, Casey Thompson don't come up with a pretty big run himself, he's sitting at probably negative 40 yards rather than negative one. Yeah. Guys like uh, Anthony Grant, 11 carries, 38 yards, uh, well, 35 yards net. Longest run was nine. This is back-to-back games where he has been ineffective. Uh, <laughs> so, so that brings me to a question for you guys. And I, So I, I calculated it, and I was kind of curious. Anthony Grant needs 63.5 yards per game to get to 1,000 yards. Is he, he going to be able to do that now? I don't think so. I mean, with the teams we have coming up, they all play good run defense. You know, prior to Ruggers, I mean, it looked like we were definitely on pace for a thousand yard rusher. I'm not so sure anymore. Tyler, what do you think? I, I'd still lean yes. Um, I, I, I'm curious on Derek's thought, but I, I have more thoughts on the rushing attack. So, what do you think, Derek? Does he get there? I mean, it's possible, but we're going to need something to happen. I mean, he's going to need probably a big game to do it. I, I just think that one of these games, you know, Wisconsin's defense is not the same Wisconsin defense. Um, Illinois is a really good defense, and, and obviously every team is. But, like, I could totally see him go for 100 yards against Illinois. I mean, I, I just really? – I, I, yeah, I mean, certainly. I mean, he's shown that he can be productive. The, the problem is, though, is, is we have a big problem with rushing attack. And, and, and there's three main causes of this. One, probably the biggest, and we'll talk more about them in pass protection, but our offensive line. They just don't generate holes. Two, and I've heard guys, other people speculate about this, but since Frost has left, our running scheme has gotten awful. It, it does not have any originality. It is terrible. Um, well, it's not, it's not even just the scheme of it. It's the fact that you just don't run it. Well, that's well, a- you, talk, you talk about Anthony Grant not having a, good, a big game with only 38 yards. Or 35 yards, but he only carried it 11 times. This is a guy that was carrying it over 25 times a game, and now all of a sudden he's getting it 11. Well, that's my third thing. It, 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 it's game management. And this this is on Whipple. This is on Mickey Joseph. But I went back and looked at first down plays. Okay. So we had on Saturday 24 plays we ran on first down. You know, we had some first downs. We had kick returns, turnovers, all that stuff. We had 24 plays we ran. We ran the ball 10 times on those first downs. So that means 14 times we passed on first down. Of those 10, two were inside the 15-yard line. We ran on first down. One was the Ramir Johnson right before half where he ended up busting a good run. But basically, we were trying to kill the clock or maybe get lucky. And one was Trey Palmer. So we are not committed to running the ball. And, like... Well, that that brings up the other question. How does Ramir Johnson... Get a 17-yard carry and then never touch the ball the rest of the game. Yeah. I mean, we, we just we have no commitment to running the ball. And, and, and again, one of the keys we talked about last week in the preview was time of possession. And, and I get we had explosiveness, and it was great scoring on one play. But you know what probably would have helped is maybe trying to run the ball on first down on occasion just to take some time off the clock and give your defense a break. Even if it was for four yards. Like, just do something to do 
anything to tire out Purdue and give our defense a break. I, w- I will say this. If you take the uh, 60-yard run out by Trey Palmer, we were averaging 2.8 yards per run. And, and, yeah, and if you commit to three, that run, you're likely just three and outing it anyway, going three and out. I'm not saying yeah, but, run the ball three times in a row. I'm just saying, like, if even if it was, even if we were just going to get 2.8 yards of carry, even if that's what we were going to do, even if we did commit to it to somewhat, you know what I do know is we would have probably ran more than 50 plays. You know what I also know is Purdue probably would not have ran 100 plays. I, I mean, it just, again, we it's going to be a long year if we think we're going to air it out. Wait till we get these pass rushes that we're about to face. I mean, Casey Thompson will die if we don't do something to keep a defense honest. Well, that brings me to another one. Casey Thompson, he's 230 yards a game to get to 3,000 yards passing. Is he going to get there? Yeah, easy. Like, that seems pretty easy. I mean, Trey Palmer is going to get to 1,000. He might do that against Illinois. I mean, he needs 43, about 44 yards a game. Listen to Tyler. Tyler still doesn't re- respect Illinois. He was low on Illinois headed into the year, and he still doesn't give a oh, shit. I He's certainly still respect Illinois. I just think Trey Palmer's the real deal. I just saw that dude go for 237. He can go for 100, 200. Didn't he, just, didn't he just disappear for a game or two, though? And then had this huge game? I don't know what game. I mean, Rutgers was the game he probably would be disciplined. But yeah, but it. But, but back to the running game. Like, I just think that this bye week, Mickey Joseph and Mark Whipple need to get their heads together because we will have a struggle the rest of the year if we do not develop a rushing attack. And it's sad because we have the best running back core that we've had since Amir Abdullah. Between Anthony Grant and the guys behind him and the depth we have there, we should be able to be a a formable running team. Should, but I mean, it's hard to run against that offensive line. We were talking about that Ruggers game, how I was critical because he was dancing around a lot. You're like, well, the offensive line's so bad, he has nowhere to go. And that shows up when you're playing against good defenses. He can tear up bad defenses, but playing better defenses down the road, I mean, our offensive line, they just can't open up anything. That's why we're airing it out, because that's the only thing we can do. We can't establish the run. I hate to tell you guys, but I was looking at total defense, uh, just in the country, the top 10 defenses and total defense, and Nebraska will have played six of the top 10 right now. By the end of the year, yeah. I, I don't think Tyler and with with four of them still coming, like Iowa, Illinois, Minnesota, Michigan, all still coming. Tyler, it sounds great that you want to run the ball. I mean, th- these coaches, they I'm sure they want to run the ball more. No, they don't. They don't want to run it when you don't even try on first down. Like, don't tell me when you give the running back six attempts on first down of the twenty four that you run that you have any interest in running the ball. I mean, we, we did only have one running back with double-digit carries. Ramirez Johnson had one. Yant had four. Casey Thompson was credited with six, but there was two runs and four sacks. I mean, there, there was a goal line possession. We got inside the 10-yard line, and it's the, one, it's the possession that uh, Casey Thompson overthrew Elante Brown and threw it in the, the, in the stands yeah. for no reason at all. We, ran, we threw the ball three straight times inside the five. And again, we all like Mickey Joseph, but that's the shit that years... I mean, that would have got... There would be people complaining about that for a week. 
I mean, the run the ball guy has gone completely quiet on this because we don't even try. And again, even if it's not successful, what it does is it slows down the pass rush. It gives you time of possession. It gives the defense a break. Like, And you have talented guys that could potentially break one if you give them a chance. I mean, you, you're not, I'll tell you this much. You're not going to have success running the ball if you don't try. I, I, I don't know. I mean, I just, I, I see them try to run the ball and they're not doing anything. They're just getting stuffed. I mean, it's, there's nothing there. So it's kind of like, if you're the coach, it's like, you're not seeing anything because the offensive line's so freaking bad. It's like, well, shoot, we, we need to score points. Chuck it to Trey well, Palmer. They could get a little more creative in the run offense, so. Yes. They could try to run some misdirections. They could try and run some pitch plays to get Anthony Grant to the outside. They could... They could do things to counter what's what's going on, rather than running off tackles and, and off tackles di- and dives and traps. I mean, do you guys want to see? There, there's other run plays you can. Run. Do you guys want to see Casey Thompson run it more? At this point, yes. It's an option. It's an option. I mean, they got to do. I mean, he's, I mean, sa- he's safe for being able to run it out of bounds or sliding, and he has just getting smacked in the backfield. If if if. If anything, at least maybe to do it a couple zone reads to keep them honest, the defense off honest, and maybe get a little bit better positioning. Again, that might be a way to do it too to generate some sort of rushing attack. We got to move on to defense, but there's one thing that we have to talk about, and that's time of possession. Time of possession was absolutely terrible in this game. Nebraska held the ball for 17 minutes and 18 seconds the entire game. Uh, but in the second half is where it was really bad. In the third quarter, three minutes and three seconds is what we Nebraska held the ball. And it even got even worse in the fourth quarter. A minute 57 in the fourth quarter. So that is a total of five minutes flat in the second half. But Nebraska scored 24 points in that five minutes, which is pretty remarkable. Uh, but I, five minutes in the second half... I've never heard of anything like that in my life. It, it is remarkable, but at, to Tyler's point, you're setting your defense up for failure. Like they didn't need any any reasons to be failing because they were already doing a good job of it themselves. So they didn't need added pressure of being on the field for twenty minutes. What what is what was our longest drive of this game? We only had like fifty two plays, so there can't be that many. But what was our longest drive? Do you know time of time of possession or uh, place distance in place? Oh, I don't know. Place and distance. I, mean, uh, I can't answer that. I, I didn't really okay. look into that. I didn't mean to put uh, you guys on the spot. Uh, is there anything else you guys want to talk about offense? Tyler, you were talking about game management. Is there anything well, else? Oh, go ahead. It, I was going to say the, the the most was our third drive of the game. We had eight plays for seventy six yards, and we scored a TD. Okay, so, um, yeah, that that's the answer to that question. But yeah, I mean, with defense, you know, I, I would you point to time of possession and and let me let me say something positive about this defense. And there's not a lot to say positive, but I, I would say that while this is probably the worst defense that I have seen since Bill Callahan. Um, I'd even be worse, right? I it, it might be the worst defense I've seen in my life. I mean, it's it. I mean, I don't know. We haven't given up seventy points to seventy six points to Kansas yet. So, 
but but as bad as defense as I've seen in my life. The the positive is this: you would assume Luke Reimer is going to be healthy soon. It sounds like he's going to be back after the bye week. He is one A or one B, your best defender. And two, outside of Michigan, like as good as Illinois and as good as Minnesota is, like they're not as good as Purdue offensively. I don't think. So you pretty much get your second best offense out of the way for the rest of the year, and you end the year with two pretty horrid offenses. So again, Michigan's going to be a whole nother can of worms, but like I think there's positive. But the most depressing moment of the game to me, there's two things: one, zero sacks. I mean, it was abysmal, not getting pressure on them, and two, with that in mind, the last drive of the game. Okay, as bad as it was that we had blown timeouts earlier in the game, we still kick it back to them with 5.55 left. That's plenty of time. You have one timeout. You can give up a first down or two and still have time for the ball. You have plenty of time, and they keep the ball for the rest of the game. That was crazy, and that includes, wasn't it? And that includes a converting on a fourth and one in which you get pressure and you miss the sack and Aiden O'Connell ends up scrambling for a first down. Did they convert like a third and 11 or third and 10 on that drive too? Yeah, I mean, it, it was, I mean, there was plenty of opportunities yeah. to get them off the field. And after, and, and after uh, Purdue had missed that extra point to go up by six, I was thinking there's plenty of time. All we do need is to make a stop. I mean, I was thinking it was like our def or our offense will score if they get the ball. Yeah. I didn't have as much. Call. I mean, Casey Thompson probably played his worst game at, since, I mean, not counting Oklahoma, but yeah, probably even that, the worst game he did as a husband. He played a bad game, and I still, I don't know, still had confidence that we could get Trey Palmer the ball, and he could yeah. break it for 50 That's yards. That's all we got to like, do is just get him the ball. He'd probably be like, triple covered in that because nobody else was going to make a play, but uh, I was, I thought we were go- going to pull it out. It was going to be a Vicky Joseph miracle, but instead, 6 minutes, 55 seconds, uh, stay on the field. That That was nuts. Uh, Derek, your thoughts on defense? Well, I mean, you're looking at 38 first downs we gave up to Nebraska's 15, by the way. Uh, gave up 217 yards rushing. That's probably the most depressing thing about this whole game is you let one of the worst rushing teams in the country put up 217 yards on you. I can handle the 391 yard, 91 yards passing because we knew – they were going to throw all over us. We we knew that, but you had to at least stop the run, and you couldn't do that. That Maccabi, he looked like he should have been playing all year. The way that he was running, all he has. I, I, everyone keeps thinking that he's a new this new guy. He played all game against Minnesota. Wow. I, mean, I, I don't know that. I don't know. He's been their main go to guy all year, but he's definitely been playing more than one game. This wasn't the first game he was in there. Uh, look, we had eighteen missed tackles again. Continues to be a problem. Uh, O'Shawn Mathis was credited with three of those. I mean, I know he didn't have a terrible game, but three missed tackles from one of your supposed best defenders can't happen. Garrett Nelson was just absolutely silent in this game. Yeah. Uh, I, they ran away from him a lot. They, he didn't, but he didn't get any pressure. He they, they doubled them a lot too. They really they I mean, did. They did. But he, I mean, he was just so quiet. And he played the most snaps out of the defense outside of uh, uh, Quentin Newsom, who was actually credited with 103 snaps. 
even though there was only 101 technically, but he was on in two penalties. I thought he played well for the most part, though. He was off and on. Like, he did plays. He had some plays where it was like, man, he's looking pretty good. And then he had plays where it was like, eh, I we mean, need to be better. I will say, he had a tough matchup because, you know, we, oh, we obviously targeted Trey Palmer a lot. Well, you know what, Purdue, they tra- targeted Charlie Jones a lot. And, and I mean, Charlie Jones obviously this. got he his, be- but... He did a better job stopping Charlie, Charlie John, whatever, than, we, than they did tra- stopping Trey Palmer. Yes. And it was a lot of one-on-ones, and, and again, I mean, I don't think it was a great performance, but, I mean... I thought it was a really good performance. It gets a really talented wide receiver that he went head to head against the whole game and played pretty well. Um, but yeah, I mean, just, just, I, I think the thing that sucks the most about it is, and, and maybe I was one of the few, but I, I was truly fooled by Bill Bush's uh, defense. Like I watched the Indiana game played pretty, the defense played pretty well. Watch the Rutgers game. They played really well. Uh, and so I, I wasn't expecting them to play as good in this game as they did those two games because I knew it was a much tougher offense. But I expected them to at least be able to compete a little bit, and they just didn't. And, and to their credit, I mean, there's a lot of guys hurt. Yeah. Injuries definitely played a part in the defense. Luke Reimer didn't play at all. Nick Henrich, he went out with an injury in the late in the second quarter. And he was having a good game. I mean, I, I know... We weren't playing great, but you go look at the PFF grades even. I, Nick Henrik was having a good game before he got hurt. And Buford, he went out, and so we had to put play walk-on uh, Phelan Sanford uh, at safety. And he did it, it was, fine. It was just a, yeah, it, it was it was a tough game with injuries. Uh, them having the ball for 42 minutes, almost 43 minutes. Uh, they just couldn't make you get, a you stop. Got, you got to credit the offense. You got to credit the offense on that a little bit, though. Like Tyler talked about it, you know, you got to hold on to the ball longer than a minute, and they, they just didn't. I mean, they were scoring, which is great, but that's how that's how you play in shootouts. And I guess I guess I, there's no there's no great way to win shootouts. Well, I guess. and I again, mean, especially and this is a game plan thing, and it's one of those things where it's like when you know that your defense isn't good, and and unless, and and you're like. Well, how are we going to win this game? Well, the the thought of our, especially when we get down at early in the game, down 27 to 10. Okay, I understand. Like, you got to get aggressive. You got to get aggressive. But you know what? Then all of a sudden, second half, you end up pulling it within one possession. And then you eventually tie it. And you know what you do? The possession after you tie it, you come out throwing. And, and again, it's just, you needed to try to shorten the game. You needed to try to shorten the game at some point in time and give your defense a break, and you just didn't do it. And again, now the defense needs to own it. They need to, I mean, giving up 43 points is pretty inexcusable. And again, to be fair, like there was that really bad interception in the first quarter, Aiden O'Connell. They probably scored there. They missed a field goal. They missed an extra point. I mean, they could have easily put 50 on us. So prior to Ruggers, what was the best defense that Nebraska has faced this year? Indiana. So we don't we haven't really faced a tough defense until Ruggers, basically, right? 
so what I'm getting at is like that rushing attack that yeah you know you're you say that we once had. I mean we weren't really doing running the ball against anybody with a good defensive line or uh, defensive front seven. Now that we're seeing these good defenses, our offensive line is being more exposed than what they were already and with their inability to run the ball because it's back-to-back games now that we just cannot generate a running attack. And I swear, I, yeah, I think I, it's going to get it. worse. And I know you think that, what would you say, 100 yards against Illinois? I'm about to say where I, I'm, well, let's be clear. I'm not predicting we're going to go for it. I'm just saying like Minnesota, I could, I mean, I could see Anthony Grant doing that, but and Justin, maybe you're right. And maybe like, we're just there, but when you play against Purdue and they are more balanced offense than you are, that is a problem. It is. Yeah. And, and, and again, so you could say, yes, the success isn't there and you need to have success, but it's a chicken or the egg, right? You have to at least try. You didn't try. Well, I mean, once we we were playing from behind the entire second half, but we but but we tight we tightened the game. It definitely wasn't so out of you couldn't have ran it. I mean, it was tied with ten minutes left in the fourth quarter. Yeah, I mean, I look. I think we should have ran more, but when it just there was nothing there. I mean. I would rather our defense be better. I would rather that well, that is yeah. an easier solution. Like it, I mean, not to have to worry about time of possession and be like, yeah, it's great. Let's score in 30 seconds every time. That's fantastic. But when your defense can't stop them at all, I mean, you, you forced two punts the whole game and both of the punts, they punted inside the 20 because they had drove the ball first. I believe one punt was a great, that I was going to actually segue to that when we were talking about Phelan Sanford because he did block a punt. And that was a, a beautiful play. The special teams was uh, a bright spot for this game. I thought, you know, outside of Trey Palmer is the, outside the of Trey biggest Palmer. Bright, yep, it's the number two bright spot. Yeah, I th- thought we did fine. Uh, field goal with no misses. Uh, Tommy Hill, that's your guy, Tyler. Want to talk about him a little bit? I mean, he, he, he I mean, the best kick return effort I've seen in three years. You have to go back to J.D. Spielman. Um, I mean, I thought that Bruschimi punted the ball well. Um, you know, he, he ended up having average of 42 yards of punt. I mean, I, I thought across the board, special teams did. I mean, we won the special teams battle, if it makes any difference at all. Like, it just doesn't. But, I mean, we, we, out, we had a better special teams than Purdue on Saturday. Yeah. Uh, Derek, your thoughts on special teams? Man, it was great. I, I, I would almost say it was, I mean, this is the best special teams we've seen in a long, long time. I don't, I don't know, I don't know how far you go back, but I did see a stat. We've blocked three punts this year. And it's the first time we've blocked that many punts since the 2014 season when we blocked four. Wow. So, I mean, that's pretty good. Like, okay, we have block punt in the game. You're averaging 20, over 22 yards per kickoff return. Uh, But here's the impressive part. You held Purdue to an average of nine yards per per kickoff. Uh, There was, I mean, there was only two returns, but between the two of them, they only got uh, 18 yards. Uh, You went three for three on field goals. Uh, Timmy Bleakrode made as many field goals as he had attempted up to this point. He was one for three heading into this game. Yeah. 
and he went three for three in this game. So give the guy credit there. Uh, punting was good. Uh, it, the, punt, the punt returns, there was none. But you had one blocked and only one other chance at one because your defense could only muster up two punts. So, but, I, yeah, I think special teams was a huge surprise spot in this game. So, I'm going to go out there. You guys can uh, beat me up if you want. But uh, all things considered, with a terrible offensive line, uh, terrible defense, I applaud the team for, you know, losing just by six points in this game. I mean, had they gotten a stop, I think they would have had a chance to pull it out. Uh, but I was I was proud of the uh, the performance at the end. There was a lot of missed opportunities when I watched rewatched the game today. Uh, I saw a lot of things. I was like, oh my god, if we would have made a play there, Tyler, you talked about the Alani Brown uh, miss. I mean. There was just so many things, especially on the defense. There's so many times that we could have made a stop where we should have made a stop, and it it that became the ultimate factor. But all in all, I, I was pleased with the uh, performance to an extent, I guess. Uh, just being, you know. Yeah, I'll, I'll disagree with you. It's because of those missed opportunities. Well, so, yeah, the missed opportunities, yeah. Okay. I mean... Credit them for, I don't know if you want to call this the officiating or not, but, I mean, they only had four penalties in the game. Uh, Purdue only had two, so I don't know if it was just a matter of referees not calling penalties. But, you know, after the last two games, when we were getting almost ten penalties per game, yeah. dropping it down to four was good. Yeah. Uh, there, there were good things in this game. I'm not saying there weren't good things in this game, but I'm holding my applause back a little bit because of the missed opportunities. I also will say, if anything ever happens to Trey Palmer, you might as well just fold the season. <laughs> we are exactly one deep on offense. <laughs> that is Trey Palmer. That's it. That is it. I don't know if that's fair to say. I mean, in this in this one game, it's very true. But he hasn't been that guy every single game. No. We haven't had a lot of bright spots, so... I mean, he's been the one true bright spot. Uh, Tyler, your thoughts? I, I mean, I, I guess I do applaud the team. I get you're down twenty seven to ten. You end up tying it. Um, I mean, you 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 overcome a lot in this game. I mean, you talked about it. I mean, again, Casey Thompson, I thought had his worst start as a Husker. His both of his interceptions were brutal. They were ugly, um, ugly. He, multiple underthrown balls. Really bad red zone conversion on that. Doesn't help that he keeps getting beat up. We we've beat up this offensive line as bad as their defenses, so we didn't really get into the pass protection. But again, abysmal. A little bit better in the second half, but they only ran like eight plays in the second half. So I mean, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, I, I disagree with you a little bit, Todd. I don't think this was his best performance. Worst? I said it was his worst. I, if I said best, I was wrong. Or I'm sorry. I'm not, I don't mean best. I don't think it was his worst. What was worst? I don't, I don't think it was worse than Rutgers. He was terrible in Rutgers. I mean, that was probably his second worst performance, but I would say it was much worse there. I mean, he, he missed as many is... guys as bad as he did against Ruggers, though. Didn't he have three interceptions in that no, game? Only, though? only two. He had back to back two interceptions. Again, this game, his numbers got so good passing yards because Trey Palmer kept taking everything to the house. Yeah. 
He had like five Man. plays over 37 yards, Trey Palmer. That's that's insane. And like one was like a little short pass that he broke. I mean, it wasn't all deep bombed. I mean, that obviously helped, but I mean, uh, uh, it just, I mean, offensive line, I mean, we didn't grade this, but this would be as bad a report card. It, it, and, and to the credit, this would be just a terrible report card if we had to grade it. Um, I mean, there would to be. The off- to the offensive line's defense, I, I will I will defend them just a little bit. They were better in the second half. They than were the better. First. Yes. They weren't great. I'm not saying they were good in the second half, but they were better in the second half. I don't think we gave I them mean, the second half. They allowed zero sacks yeah. in the second half. And Casey Thompson did have a l- extra time to throw in the second half, which is why he completed some of those deep bombs. Because in the first half, he's not completing those deep bombs because he's getting sacked at that point. Did they so, change so their they, defense I mean, up in the second half? I we changed our offensive lineup. I know that. No, I just meant like uh, the amount of people that they were rushing. I, I didn't pay uh, attention. I, th- I think according to PFF, they were only uh, like six blitzes the whole game. Okay. Uh, I think is what they were credited with. So it wasn't like they were blitzing much in the whole game anyway. Any final thoughts before we move on to the coaching search? Tyler, I know there's something that you want to discuss. Well, I mean, I kind of brought this up with time management a little bit. It, it, it probably didn't play in the end of the game. We, we In a game like that, the, the timeouts usage was troubling. We, we used zero timeouts in the first half. Um, and... Maybe that last drive we settled for a field goal. Had you been a little bit more, hey, let's call timeouts and been aggressive, maybe you score a touchdown. So I knew that's where you wanted to go, but the sequence before that happened, the t- t- previous two uh, possessions, we uh, had the interception and then we went backwards on the next possession. I, I, and I get it. I so don't understand why I, you- think, I think he was just trying to get to halftime. He was like, okay, we're, we're falling apart here. We're already down. Let's just get to halftime. And then I think that changed when Ramir Johnson blew that uh, run open. I don't think anybody, including the staff, thought that play would actually work at that time. And it did. And so it kind of changed things. It's like, okay, you're at midfield. Let's see what you can do. But I I firmly believe that he was just trying to get to uh, halftime. I agree. But we ended up still settling for a field goal. And maybe you get a little bit more aggressive, call timeouts, get grouped up, especially after Casey Thompson did. I, I mean, you you left them on the field, right? You left them on a field that when, once it became clear you were going for it. And then, but the bigger thing was the second half. We we used the one on offense, which okay, that happens time to time. But then we blow one on defense in really not a critical spot. I mean, it was it was, and I think we ended up letting them score anyways. Yeah, I don't know that, why we why did we call a timeout there? I don't know. It's something we didn't like, but it was a really and it, with such a close game and everything on the line, that was just a bat. You already had blown one. If you it just was it was bad. It was about as bad a timeout. And well, yeah. the offensive one was kind of weird anyway, because the play before we called the timeout, uh Purdue had twelve men on the field. And instead of hiking the ball we allowed the guy time to get off the field, and then we hiked it. So they ended up, they ended up not getting a penalty. But if you hike the ball with him on the field, you get a free play. Yeah. And, so, and, and then you get, even if you don't complete the pass, 
then you're sitting at second and goal at the two instead of the four. It opens up your playbook a lot. Maybe you can run the ball a little bit more. Maybe I mean, I don't know if he does or not, but it at least gives you an option. Yeah, that that the twelve man on the field miss was a big awareness piece for Casey Thompson. But yeah, it just it and it ultimately we couldn't stop them at the end of the game. So they probably even if we have timeouts, I mean we showed no evidence to be able to stop them. That we had plenty of time. It didn't cost us the game, but it it was just it was poor clock management. And, again, and then you add in the running the ball and yeah. All right, let's move on to the coaching search. This is uh, what a lot of the Husker fans are looking forward to as the losses uh, seemingly start to uh, add up here. Uh, so we are going to go with nine coaches that we've all heard about as potential candidates. So we're just going to go around, talk about these guys for a little bit, and then we're going to hand out grades as in baseball style, home run for a home run higher, all the way down to a single for, you know, not, not a lack, you know, just the low end higher, I guess. So speaking of low end hires, I'm going to start it off with talking about Matt Campbell. And uh, Matt Campbell, uh, he's at Iowa State. He's three and four this year. Uh, he's in his twelfth year as an FBS head coach. He's forty-five and thirty-eight at ISU overall. Uh, he was thirty-five and fifteen at Toledo prior. Uh, he's played in a one title game at Iowa State, and that was in twenty twenty. Uh, but looking at this guy. This is one of the guys as we came into after Scott Frost was fired. This was like one of the first names that were brought up as a potential replacement. So uh, they said that Trev Alberts is big on this guy. I don't know if that's true, but I know I'm not big on uh, Matt Campbell. Uh, I think he's fine for Iowa State, but. He doesn't do anything for me as a head coach candidate at Nebraska. Uh, Derek, your thoughts? I, yeah, he doesn't do much for me. I even even before this season, I, I know people were kind of t- talking about Matt Campbell, and I, I'm with you, Just. I, I think he's a good coach for Iowa State. Uh, he's at a school where he can have a bad year, like he's seemingly having this year, and be okay. But you can't you can't come to a, a Nebraska school and have that kind of season unless you're Scott Frost. I mean, <laughs> then you can put put about four of those together. Well, yeah, I mean, but he was the golden boy. I mean, yeah. so everybody wanted to give him a chance. Nobody's going to give the next coach another a, a, a chance like they gave Scott Frost. Right. The leash will be shorter, seemingly. Yes, and, and that's why I, I mean, I, I do think he's a good coach. I, I don't want to hammer on the guy. Yeah. I just he's not, I don't know where he's at with recruiting. I don't know if you're going to be able to get great recruits into Nebraska with his name. Uh, he's just. I mean, are, are we giving our grades yet? Or are we? No, let's let's talk about it. Uh, Tyler. Your thoughts on what Matt Campbell? Then we'll grade him out. You know, I, I guess I might sounding a little bit higher than you guys. I don't know. We'll see with the grades. But you know, I think he's done well at Iowa State. I, I mean, he took over for Paul Rhodes. Um, at Iowa State, Paul Rhodes, the three his three last years in Iowa State won three, two, three games. So he took over a really bad situation there. I mean, his best season Iowa State had was in two thousand nine, where they won seven games. So I mean, it wasn't. 
I don't know. I feel like everyone has higher, like, oh, Iowa State should be better. And I think a lot of that's because what Matt Campbell's built. Um, you know, he's turned them into a respectable team. And, you know, they, they've got there. They had a top 10 finish in 2020. Uh, they've consistently been making bowl games. I mean, he's turned them into a a fairly good team. Now, they're still, this season hasn't gone their way. They're 0-4 in conference. It's not looking good. So he is dropping actively right now on my board, but I think he's done a lot there, and I don't want to just have a halo effect and just look at this one year and just completely negate what he did and help build in Iowa. So, I yeah, I, I guess I'll go ahead and give my my uh, first, but I'll, I'll I think I think he's a single. Single, okay, uh, Derek. Yeah, I'm with you. I think he's a single at best. Yeah, I, I said single also, but if we were allowed to do this, I don't even know the rules of this for, for what we're doing here, and I'm on the podcast. But, uh, I mean, if I were to redo this and make my own rules, I mean, he's a ground out. I mean, he is a straight-up ground out to the first baseman. You could call him a ground out. You can't? I can? Okay. Sure. I, he's a ground out to me. I mean, he's... <laughs> yeah. Well, if we're doing that, I'll say he's uh, reached on an air type of guy. <laughs> Okay. All right. So you're not you're not high on him. You, you don't think he's a full single. Okay. Good. All right. I, so, I think he, I think he's a full single. I I give him a full single. I think he's a good base hit. But yeah, I mean, I I but uh, uh, I'll tell you, going into this year, I would have had him as as a double. And he's definitely fallen, and we'll see what he ends up doing the rest of the year. But I mean, yeah. okay. Well, Tyler, you're next with Mark Stoops. Well, so Mark Stoops comes to the table. With 22 years coaching experience, the last 10 years he's been the head coach at Kentucky. Uh, prior to that, he was a defensive coordinator at Arizona for five years and two years as defensive coordinator at FSU. Um, at Kentucky, he's done pretty well. He's made six straight bowls, and in 2018, he was the SEC Coach of the Year. And of all the names we're going to mention, there's going to be two guys that I just think are not even remotely realistic. And this is one of them. I, I, I don't see Mark Stoops coming here. And of all the candidates we're about to do, there's no coach I'm happier that isn't going to come here. Oh, really? And it and it's not a because of what he's done at Kentucky. Because I can't say that he hasn't built Kentucky into a respectable program. He's done well there. But it took him a long team time to turn that ship. And yes, Kentucky is bad. But it took him a really long time to do that. He, he, I don't love his personality. Um, I, I just, I'm happy that he's not on the table. Okay. In my opinion, I don't think he's realistically, and I, I'm just not a fan of Mark Stoops. Derek? Oh, man, I, I, I have mixed emotions on Mark Stoops because I'm with you, Tyler. I understand it took him a while to get there, but he's gotten there. And, and he's, t- he's turned Kentucky into a respectable program. They're not just a basketball program anymore. They are willing to spend money on football because of him. Uh, I, I don't know. I I don't think he's that bad of a coach. I He, he definitely wouldn't be in my top five to go after, but I, I don't think he would be a bad hire. Yeah, I, I don't hate him, but I'm with you. I don't think that we would get him. I don't think he would leave Kentucky to come to Nebraska. Uh, I think he's built something pretty decent. You know, last year – you know, he won 10 games last year, and uh, I don't know if they'll get to double digits this year, but uh, he's doing well, he's doing well where he is. Uh, I mean, I'll just, but I'll, can I just real yeah. quick? I mean, 
he, he's only he's missed the bowl four times at Kentucky. Um, he's only won nine plus games twice. I mean, it, it's again he's taken it really well, but I just he plays in a t- pretty tough division too. I mean, Some years, most I mean, Tennessee's years. been Tennessee's been garbage a lot of those years. Florida's been certainly up and down. So yes, Georgia consistently is a really good team, but, but who else in the SEC East? Yeah, I guess are you that's like? Fair. I mean, he's not playing the SEC West against Bama every year. I mean, yeah, I guess that's fair. I mean, I, I, Vanderbilt like is that the team that scares you? No, I, I guess I was putting more weight with uh, Georgia and Florida for most years, even though Florida has slipped. But uh, I don't, I don't know. I just. Looking at this in uh, their division or their conference, it's the conference record isn't terrible, but maybe it is. I don't know. I I have him listed as a double. I don't hate the guy. Uh, I think he would be pretty good because he's done something pretty well. He's done something in the SEC. So, Tyler, what would you have him? I got him as a pop out. Oh, really? Doesn't doesn't even get off base for me. Shit. Okay. Uh, Derek, I think he's a solid single. Uh, maybe around single and thinks about going for the double, but not quite goes there. But okay, he's definitely a strong single. I think. I think he could do well at Nebraska with uh, given everything, fan support, NIL, and stuff. Uh, but Derek, you're up with Bill O'Brien. All right, Bill O'Brien. He has 29 years coaching experience nine of which were head coaching experience, uh, two at Penn State, seven at uh, Houston Texans. Um, right now, he's the offensive coordinator at, at Alabama, where their scoring offense ranks fifth in the country, rushing offense 12th, passing offense is 37th. Uh, he, he's done pretty well for himself. He won coach of the year in 2012. Uh, he went 15-9 and nine at, at Penn State. And in a time when it was just, we we all know what happened in 2011 with, with Penn State. And so for him to do what he did in 2012 was pretty good. Uh, he won the Big Ten Coach of the Year that year. Also won National Coach of the Year. Uh, but he's he's been a pretty good coach. Uh, I, I don't know where he rings on the bell for where Nebraska would like him, but... He's done pretty well for himself. What about you, Tyler? What do you think about Bill O'Brien? Well, what I like about Bill O'Brien is that he has something that a lot of the coaches we're going to talk about don't have. He has Big Ten experience, yeah. and he has Big Ten success. Um, the What he took over at Penn State was utterly a disaster. And not only from the emotional, I mean, he had really hard sanctions to overcome. And so it was it was definitely a battle for him to get there. And while he wasn't hugely successful in the NFL, um, I think he did all right at Houston. He was there for multiple years and played pretty well. And and the thing that I might be most excited about with him is he's going through the Nick Saban rehab program right now. And we've seen guys <laughs> leave that. Uh, Lane Kiffin comes to mind. Even Steve Sarkeesian comes to mind where they, they leave there and they pick up what some of the good things Saban does and have success. So, I, yeah, I mean, I think he's got a lot of things to offer in a team like Nebraska. Yeah, he's definitely interesting. He's an interesting candidate. Uh, 
getting him here, is it feasible that we could get him to Lincoln? I mean, so being under the Nick Saban, you know, that little coaching tree now, I mean, those guys are usually set up for big things, right? And if is well, I, mean, I guess it depends on which ones you're looking at. I mean, Mike Loxley was a pretty good coach under Saban and went to Maryland. I mean, it wasn't a big job. Lane Kiffin went to South Florida first before he went to Ole Miss. Yeah. The Florida Atlantic, you mean? Yeah. Florida. Yeah. Some Florida directional program. Well, I mean, Nick Saban kind of fired his ass. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I don't hate the guy. I think he's a solid guy. I have him listed as a double, solid double. I, uh, I don't, I don't hate the guy. I can't say anything negative about him. Der- or Tyler, I like your, uh, what you had to say about him. Big Ten experience, which is obviously huge. You need that, and you know, building up programs from being absolute dumpster fires. So he checks both of those boxes. Uh, so, your grade, Derek. Uh, yeah, he's a he's a solid double, if not close to a triple. Uh, I, I think he's a really good coach. I think he could do good things at Nebraska. I I think he's a good recruiter. Uh, your 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 biggest fear with him is does he bolt for the NFL at first chance? Does that really bother you though? I mean, I guess it depends on who he leaves us with or how he leaves us. Uh, Tyler, what was your grade for Bill O'Brien? I I had him as a double. Double. So. The concern about a coach leaving Nebraska, I that does not bother me one bit anymore because if they're leaving Nebraska, like Bolton for the NFL, that means that they probably did pretty well at Nebraska. And so that they built, they've finally built the program up. And so I think it's easier fair. to... That's fair. It, it, would, it would be nice to see a coach leave under their own terms yeah. rather than be fired for once. I, I, I get yeah. that. So that that doesn't bother me. Uh, I don't mind being a little pit stop for a guy. If he comes in, does all the dirty work to build it up, so be it. That's fine. Well, and, I, and I don't think, I don't think there's many jobs besides maybe NFL with him that he would leave. Like I think if you get Nebraska rolling, there's very few jobs in college football that he's going to be like, yeah, that's a better situation. Which I think is going to be one of the challenges in our search too. Is I think there's very hard to. You get a good power five thing going. It's hard to pull people away from that. Right. All right. Next up is Dave Aranda. Uh, we know that he's at Baylor. He's in his third year as head coach. Uh, he's three and three right now, 17 and 12 overall, but he did win the big 12 last year. Uh, I mean, this is a guy that he's on the up and up uh, defensive coordinator at Wisconsin. Uh, then he went to LSU I mean, he's he's seen some uh, big time conferences, uh, Big Ten, SEC. Now you know, shoot, he's done well at Baylor. Maybe not this year so far, but uh, I like the guy. I mean, he's he's kind of a weird personality, uh, but I think he might be a highly sought after. Maybe somebody tries to pull him away from Baylor. Uh, I think he's a legit candidate for Power Five college football. Tyler. Yeah, I, I'm a big Dave Aranda guy. He was, um, as you mentioned, he was defensive coordinator at LSU when they won the national title. I mean, at that time, I mean, he he was Bo Pelini when Nebraska eventually got him, except we got the luxury of him going to Baylor first and let him get some of the cobwebs off, learn what he's doing. 
I also do. Well, I think that a lot of people want to connect the dots with Bill Bush and Mickey Joseph and just assuming it's a lock that he's going to keep them both. There is that LSU tie there. I like the staff he's put together at Baylor. I'm a big fan of Jeff Grimes. I know when we were looking at offensive coordinators, he was a name that I was really high on. So I I like what he's built there. And yes, this year hasn't been great, um, but it's halfway through the season. I, I, I like I like Baylor this weekend against Kansas. So I think he's going to get in the winning side of it here soon. Um, so I yeah I'm I'm still pretty high on the guy, Derek. I you know I I was pretty high on him. I'm going, but he's dropping a little bit on me, and I'm not going to lie. Uh, Tyler, you talked about giving up 43 points was unacceptable uh, when you were talking about Nebraska giving up 43 points to Purdue, but he just gave up 43 points to West Virginia. And he's a defensive-minded co- head coach, so you, that's definitely unacceptable. Like you can't you can't be giving up forty three points in a game when defense is your side of the ball. Uh, he, he's a good coach. I think he's probably going to do some good things. Uh, but he had a really good year. His, his second year, his first year was really bad, and this year's turned out to look a little average. So, uh, I. Before I just jump on his bandwagon, I'd like to see how he finishes out this year, I guess. Well, go ahead and give, throw out your grade there, Derek. Uh, I, I give him a solid single. Wow. Tyler? I, I have him as a triple. I, I, I love He's got the Big Ten ties. He knows the conference. He knows Power 5 football. He's been around it for a really long time. Um, I don't think Baylor's an easy job. Um it's not a hardest job out there. It's not Iowa State. It's not Kansas. But I, I don't think it's a, it's a cakewalk. It's not naturally fit. And I think he's done really well there. Um, I, I, I think Baylor pulls it out. Maybe, maybe you're right, Derek. Maybe if this ends up being a 500 season for him, maybe I drop him to a double. But I, I got him as a triple right now. I had him at triple earlier, but I backed off, uh, especially after this last loss. Uh, I'm just, you know, when, when you're hovering around that 500 mark and you only have one winning season. Uh, I, I, I got to see more, but I, I have him as a solid double. I think he's got potential, but I just I had him more. as a double until he started till the season. So, so I started seeing how the season was unfolding. Okay. Uh, Tyler, you're up with Lance Leipold. Well, of, of the names we're talking about, man, there may not be a hotter one on Husker boards right now. Um, Lance Leipold has 35 years of coaching experience. Uh, 15 years as a head coach, eight years of those were at D3 uh, UW-Whitewater. He had six years at Buffalo and two years now at Kansas. At UW-Whitewater, he had six national titles. Now, that's a D3 school, but the success was amazing. Um, He had two division titles over at Buffalo and two-time MAC Coach of the Year. He made three bowls in his time there. yeah, I mean, this is a guy that's clearly growing. I like what he's built at Kansas. To turn around that shit show of a program to even make a bowl this year is really remarkable. Um, you know, I think a lot of fans like it because he does have that Nebraska ties. He was part of Frank Solich's staff. Um, he's been around the block. He was at UNO as an offensive coordinator for a while. So he's got some Nebraska ties, which I think a lot of people get him excited about. But I just, I do think he is just a fundamentally good football coach, and there may not be a better just good football coach on this list we're talking about tonight. 
with the exception of maybe one person, than Lance Leopold. He he is really, really that guy. Well, in an effort to pick this up, go ahead and give out your grade as uh, you finish that up there. I have him as a double. Double? Okay. Uh, Derek? I I think this guy is one of the best developers out there. Uh, and this is what I think Nebraska needs. I, I, I We need a developer right now. You, you could talk about talent all you want. There's talent on this roster. We have t- quite a few four stars on this roster, which is way more than what Kansas can say. And look at what he's doing with Kansas. He is a developer. He's going to take your guys and make them better than what they should be. And I, to me, he's a triple. I, I don't I don't see how you could even consider him anything less. I, what, what he's doing at, at Kansas is just unbelievable. Yeah, I'm with you. I have him marked down as a triple also. I mean, success at Kansas, a place that nobody except Mark Mangino wins at. I mean – it's it's incredible. It really is. Uh, he's got a long track record. He's been doing this a long time. He knows what he's doing, and uh, he's he's excelling. So does it bother you that, I mean, and I know it's Kansas. I know it's tough. But right now, with all the success they have, you know where they rank in recruiting? Dead last in the Big 12. Well, no shit. It's Kansas. I, I, I get mean, it. It's but... a basketball school. The but... facilities are dog shit. I mean, they're I going it. to upgrade their facilities because they need it. There's probably not a lot of NIL money you, there. When he gets to Nebraska, to he's he can do well at Nebraska with all the uh, the facilities and just the but money. The guy has never been at a big time college program. He's never had to go out and recruit. He's had, I mean, zero point zero success recruiting at at Buffalo. Really small school, terrible recruiting. Great developer, great football coach. How many four stars? Are Max schools pulling? I I get it, but everyone else we're talking about. I mean, we're not talking about like guys that have no coaching experience. We're talking about guys that have recruiting successes. And I mean, he's been a D one coach for eight years of his career, and a lot of great coaching. But I mean, he doesn't have a lot of ties to recruit. Well, he's been an FBS coach or a Power Five coach for two years, right? And and has been rough sailing and I, I know kansas is tough i'm not expecting to have a top 25 class but dead last i don't know but it's just it, it, it's a little bit something again i have him as a double and, you guys have look, a triple that, that's and that's why you got to hire guys that are going to be good recruiters he doesn't have to be a good recruiter he just needs to hire good recruiters and i think there's enough in place for people to excel at recruiting uh, especially if he keeps guys like uh mickey joseph on staff uh, all right, let's uh, move on. Derek, uh, you get the easy one. Urban Meyer. <laughs> all right, Urban Meyer. I mean, look, there, there, there's so much to say about this guy. He's 187 and 32 in college, uh, 12 and three in bowl games. Uh, he's had st- two year stints at Bowling Green, Utah. Six years at Florida. Seven years at Ohio State. Uh, his last stint was uh, the one year in the NFL where he did not do well, but that's happened to so many coaches. Even Nick Saban went to the NFL and didn't succeed. Spurrier and, too. Yeah, I mean, so it's, it's that's not very that's not an uncommon thing. You know, the guy's going to be a great recruiter. Uh, his last three jobs at Jacksonville, he went two and eleven. Ohio State, he went eighty two and nine, which is a nine oh one record. Uh, that's Big Ten football. I mean, come on. 
Uh, Florida, he was 65 and 15 for an 813 record, which is one of their highest percentages outside of Steve Spurrier, which was a .187. So we just bar- just barely ahead of what Urban Meyer was doing. Uh, man, I, I, the guys won three national championships, three Big Ten championships, two SEC championships, two Mountain West championships, won three three conference uh Coach of the Years and four National Coaches of the Year and a Coach of the Decade in the 2000s. Uh, home run higher. I, I mean, this is, you, you just will slow pitch him and he's going to take it yard, right? Yep. This is home run derby throwing that at him. Tyler? Yeah, he, he's a home run. I mean, I, I think if you're going to say you don't like Urban Meyer, there's two things you'd point to. One, some of the character things. And while he's not probably someone I would, you know, have my kids or someone's kids looking at and be like, that's a role model. He's not a complete dirtbag. There are definitely worse people out there in college or at least comparable. And two is that he's going to leave in five years. And if there's one guy I give zero fucks about leaving in five years is Urban Meyer, because you know what he does? He leaves guys like Kyle Winningham and uh, uh, Day, Ryan Day is your head coach. So, Sign me up for that succession plan all day, every day. So yeah, no, he is a home run. If there, I mean, if, this is why you have a term home run hire is because of Urban Meyer. Yeah, he's he's obvious home run hire, but there's zero chance he comes to Nebraska. Zero chance. Ooh, I think there's a guy we're about to talk about very quickly that's actually a zero percent hire. All right, well, let's talk about him. Uh, that would be ooh, that's me, Brett Bielema. At Illinois, 14th year in uh, as a head coach. Uh, he started off at Wisconsin, went 68-24 with three conference titles. Went to Arkansas, didn't find very much success, went 29-34. But now he's in his second year at Illinois. Uh, currently 6-1, and one, ranked in the top 25, 11-8 overall. I mean, he's turned this Illinois program around. I mean, this dude... He can coach football. I remember, Tyler, that you were never big on Brett Bielema because you didn't give him any credit for what he did at Wisconsin. It's like, oh, that's that's Barry Alvarez. That's just what his system is. He sucks because it was Barry Alvarez. Like, Barry Alvarez can coach better from the AD office than he could from the sideline. And then you pointed out to his struggles at Arkansas. Well, in that division, everybody's going to struggle at uh, Arkansas. Uh, I believe I have a coach now that's not struggling that bad. Sam Pittman? Is he like 500 now? I, I, he had a pretty damn good he, year he last year. He had a good year, year last year, but I, year I don't think good. they're uh, doing well this year. Uh, but anyway, Brett Bielema, he's kicking ass at Illinois. Uh, that's our opponent for next week. Uh, he's, he's a triple. I, you know what? I don't know if we can get him, but... Surely we have more money that we'd be willing to throw out a coach. Uh, but, yeah, he's a triple. Easy. Derek? Uh, I, I'll agree that he's probably a triple. Uh, the one thing I'll say about him is I don't think fans will be very patient with him. I think there's a little bit of loathing for him from the Wisconsin days. Uh, can fans get over that? I mean, winning winning, will winning fix it. yeah. But I... I think there would be a very short leash with him. Okay, so triple. Uh, Tyler? 
gosh, a lot of thoughts on him. So, I mean, so you're right. Everything you said is right. I, I was wrong what he's built. Um, so part of my brain goes to like, well, he's doing this because he has a generational talent at running back in Chase Brown. And that's really, really helped. But then I think back to his career, and he seems to have a lot of generational running backs uh, as players. So maybe he has something to do with that. I, I will say this. I have him as a double. Um, I could upgrade that to a triple if I you could guarantee me Ryan Walters is coming with him. Because if that's, if I know that's going to happen, then he is a triple. Um, but if, if without it, I think he's a double. He's a good coach. Um, I, you know... I, but I think I, I will say I will say this, Tyler. Just just to add to that before you move on, I don't care who our next head coach is. If you don't offer uh, Ryan Walters about a million and a half to try and entice him to go get away from Illinois, you're stupid because that guy is a defensive coordinator from hell. He is just doing. I mean, he he was good. He's at doing Missouri. Satan's He's work. turning out to be. <laughs> he, he is. I mean, he he is doing what nobody thought could be done at Illinois. And you talk about Chase Brown, but that defense is what's keeping them doing what they're doing. I mean, yeah, their defense is good. And, and yeah, I, I would say that the 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 0% chance is not only because I think it's going to be challenging to get them out of uh, um, Illinois. I, I think there's another team that's looking for a head coach that has a one-up on us. And that's Wisconsin. I, I think if he's leaving Illinois, he's going to Wisconsin. If Wisconsin doesn't offer Jim Leonard. Well, after losing to Michigan State, that, that is not a promising start. To, uh, that, that, that was a game that you really thought Mich- that Wisconsin needed to have if Jim Leonard was going to get that job. But which, which, by the way, Jim Leonard is not on this list because since he's interim head coach at Wisconsin, if he doesn't get that job, then we damn sure don't want him, right? No, because no. They, <laughs> so, they, want, they want him more than we want Mickey Joseph. Yeah. Uh, so let's get to you for eighth coach, uh, Tyler, Matt rule. Yeah. Matt rules an interesting guy. He's got 24 years of coaching experience. He was a college head coach for seven years and he was in the NFL for, I guess you want to say three, even though it's, a uh, it is October 17th and he is currently no longer coaching in the NFL. Two and a quarter, I don't know, two and a third. Um, f- what would you say, Justin? Two and a third. Is that, yeah, is that sure. right? Go to a third. For, um, so his kind of experience he was four years at Temple, uh, three years at Baylor. Um, obviously, he just got fired from the Panthers. Um, he made four bulls in his time as head co- uh, coach in college, two division titles and one conference title. In 2019, he was the national and Big 12 coach of the year. Um, you know, he took another guy that took over a really, really bad situation in Baylor. I mean, he far- followed Art Bryles and immediately turned that, well, relatively quickly turned that team back around. Um, had a lot of success. Really flamed out in the NFL. Made some really odd coaching hires, bringing in Joe Brady. Never really could figure out what he wanted to do with a quarterback the whole time he was there. Um, no, horrible offensive line fan. I, I, as someone that lived in Charlotte, I follow the Panthers pretty closely. The guy does not know offensive line in the NFL. Um, put forward one of the worst offensive line years, year in, year out. Um, every quarterback he played got injured. Uh, but can't deny what he did at college. I, I was really on the fence on this. I'm going to call him a walk. I, I think he gets on base. I just don't think he generates a hit for me. I think he gets on base, but not a hit. So I'm going to go with a walk. Wow. Okay. Derek. Uh, you, you know, 
I would have called him a strikeout hire to start. Uh, but reading up on him, looking at what he's done in college, I try not to judge too much on what they do in the pros because, again, it doesn't always equate. Just because you're a good college coach doesn't mean you're going to be a good, good uh, NFL coach. So I, I tried to taper with, with the NFL stuff. Uh, I, I would give him a single. I, 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 he has done well at, in, in the college ranks. Uh, he did turn around that Baylor program that was just in complete shambles after Art Bryles. Uh, the only reason I wouldn't r- rule him a double is because there was still a lot of talent on that Baylor team. I mean, I, I know the situation was really bad, but there was still a lot of talent to win some games in that team. So uh, I hate to credit him too much for that. Uh, but, but yeah, I, I think he's a solid single, maybe. Jeez, I'm way ahead of you guys. I mean, I think he's a triple. I think uh, I would not be upset if we got Matt Rule. I think uh, what what he's done in college is pretty remarkable, and I think he can do it. Uh, I'm with you, Derek. I, I discount all that pro stuff. Fuck that pro stuff. That's a, it's a di- it's a completely different game. Uh, for being in college, I, he's a guy that can build a program up. And if you can do it with the dark depths of Baylor, and Derek, I'm pretty sure there was a lot of turnover there when Art Bryles left. They had to reset that team because there was a lot of those guys that they just had to get rid of because they were being accused of rape. So they can't continue to play football. He was he turned over that. I roster. think it's funny. I think it's funny you do that, but you won't give Bill O'Brien any credit. And I think that situation was much worse to take over. It was, yeah. I I had him as a I had him as a double. So just adjust it. I mean, I mean, they offered every Penn State fan the chance to transfer with immediate eligibility. So like every Penn State player was like, "Yeah, I'm out of here." So, so Justin, okay, so scenario: Dave Aranda, he's at Baylor. You obviously Baylor's your second favorite team. Would you rather have Matt Rule at Baylor than Dave Aranda? That's tough. Uh... That's really tough. I I don't know. I I don't know if you can go wrong with either guy for Baylor. What, what do you think the Wake speak for the Waco community? Nebraska steals Dave Aranda away. Matt Rule comes of they get Matt Rule back. Do are they like are they happy? Do they feel they upgraded? I don't know if they think they're an upgrade. I think he'd be welcome back. I I think. I don't think anybody really blames him for leaving Baylor for going to the NFL. I think that was kind of expected. Uh, but I've been told that Dave Aranda, this he's he's not leaving Baylor, especially to go to Nebraska. <laughs> so that's I mean, not no an one thinks that. I, I get. I don't think he's going to leave for Nebraska. I, I I think a lot of the coaches we talked about tonight are going to be tough gets. Dave Aranda is certainly no exception to that. But. Um, I, I I mean I don't know what he's making in Baylor. Um, I tried to ask that information. I I they wouldn't give it to me. Yeah, I I I would assume he's doing fairly well, but yeah, I, I mean I just I'm curious and I just don't think Dave Rand is going to be in Baylor for five years. Yeah, I mean, he, yeah, I don't know. Uh, we'll see, but I don't think you can go wrong with either coach. But I would prefer coming to Nebraska. I would prefer. Matt Rule over Dave Aranda. Is that because you don't want to see him leave Dave Aranda leave Baylor? Well, I mean, no. I mean, 
I don't want to see Dave Aranda leave Baylor, but I also think that uh, Matt, Matt Rule would be a better fit for Nebraska than Dave Aranda. So that brings us to our ninth coach, and that is the beloved interim head coach of Nebraska, Mickey Joseph. Derek, this one's yours. All right, Mickey Joseph. Uh, you know, a former Husker alum. Everybody's going to root for him for that. Uh, he's got 17 years coaching experience. Uh, I gave him two years head coaching experience. I didn't really give him this year. Uh, still kind of up in the air, I guess. Uh, but the two years coaching experience was at NAIA level Langston in Oklahoma. Uh, you know, he's had he's won two national championships. Won it uh, as a wide receivers coach at LSU and one at uh, Langston. Uh, I he's inexperienced, guys. Uh, I, I love Mickey Joseph, and I, I hope he sticks around with Nebraska. I, I don't know that he's the best hire for head coach. Uh, I, it's hard to be overly impressed with what's going on, but he was kind of handed a shit end of the stick. I, I He would be a single. I, I, I think you could pay him less and get a little bit of a uh, – uh, discount maybe for for hiring him, and then maybe leave your pocketbook open for assistance and get some of the best defensive coordinator, offensive coordinator combination, which which would work out well. But with his lack of experience, I just I can't I can't give him much more than a single. Tyler, yeah, I mean, what I like about Mickey Joseph is I I, I love his stance on football. Um, I mean, he he does do it for me in the podium. Um, I think he's a smart guy and you know, you look at the situation in Wisconsin and I know they really want Jim Leonard. I mean, Wisconsin's having transfers. They're having people leave that team. Mickey Joseph has really largely kept this team together. I mean, Isaiah Garcia Casanato is the only transfer so far. Um, you know, the team seems engaged. They, you know, we talked about Purdue. I mean, they fought for him. He's doing great in the second half. I think Mickey Joseph as a CEO type role is something we wanted to see Frost. I think Mickey Joseph is actually thriving that. Like we wanted Frost to be something he wasn't. Frost was a really good like X's and O's, and he was probably a really shitty CEO. I think Mickey Joseph is a great CEO. He's not really that X's and O's type guy. He's going to be a good recruiter. I think he'll be a good coach. You see it on the sidelines. Thank you. But yeah. Derek, you're right on the reasons you don't like him. I mean, his experience isn't there. You know, I kind of was pretty hard on him in game plan and management against Purdue. I, I think there's a little bit of those growing pains you'll have to encounter with him. And, you know, I, it's hard for me to go any higher than a single at this point. What I will say is I'd give him like a rounding the base single where, you know, you, you give him five more games. Maybe he gets two, three more wins this season. I think that he can. Um, you know, maybe he stretches that to a double, but... Um, yeah, right now he, he is a single for me. So I have Mickey Joseph listed as a double. I wanted to go triple. Uh, but as I look at this list of these nine guys that we talked about outside of urban Meyer, I'm not sure if there's any other coach that I would want to coach at Nebraska. And we, we got to see how this year play, uh, plays out also. Right. If, uh, 
if we look like dog shit the rest of the year, that's fine. But you, Tatter, you talked about winning the podium. He, yes, he does that, but he also wins on the sideline. I love his energy on the sideline. He's always coaching. He's not on his knees picking grass when you know it's not looking good for the team. You know when they're down. He just brings a different energy. He doesn't get down on this team. He's always thinking positive. I think the players are really rallying around him. Uh, but, you know, I mean, I just, I'm rooting for the guy. I hope I hope he wins a couple more games to uh, get, the, get the job. Because I think he can, I think he will succeed as a CEO type guy. I firmly believe that he's going to hire the best guys. He's not going to hire his buddies to come in. He's going to hire the best guys. He knows that this is a business. He talks about this. College football is a business. He doesn't have a lot of friends in this business. Uh, he refers to his family. But, you know, I think he's going to get the best guys for the job. And I think the ceiling is really high with Mickey Joseph. Uh, especially, or also, I think he's a guy that we can legitimately get off of this list. So, yeah, uh, I, I have him as a solid double, maybe rounding the base double, you know. Uh, but, God, I wanted to go triple. I just I just could not do that with uh, some of these other guys. Uh, but I want to know, out, out of all these nine guys, Matt Campbell, Mark Stoops, Bill O'Brien, Dave Aranda, Lance Leipold, Urban Meyer, Brett Bielema, Mickey Joseph, and Matt Rule, what are the odds that any of these nine will be named as the next head coach. Would you take this nine or would you take the field, Tyler? I'd take the field. Take the field? <laughs> I mean, the, the, there are about, there, there are two names on this list that I think there is 1% or lower chance to get. And I think there's realistically, I, I, I was trying to think who is the most likely to get, and I would probably point to Bill O'Brien is like the most likely get of this list. So, yeah, I, I've got... Uh, the field easily, Eric. I uh, I'm gonna go the field, but for different reasons. Uh, I I don't think these guys are ungettable. I don't think they're unattainable. Uh, Nebraska's gonna throw some money out, and that's fine. And and money talks, and money money can get any guy here that they want to get, with the exception of maybe a few. Urban Meyer's probably ungettable. Uh, I I don't know I. I, the only reason I think field is because it seems like every time we go through this, which seems to be to be a little too often, we end up getting some guy that we don't even realize was a candidate. And I think that's what's going to end up happening here. Oh, that'd be a kick in the nuts for uh, for the fans because I think a lot of Husker fans, me included, have a lot of faith that Trev Alberts is going to make the right decision. And if the guy Here, isn't on the this thing. list. Like, I mean, I, I don't know who who would get the job that's not on this list right now that we would be like, oh, that's that's a solid get, you know. I, I'll say this: with all the coaching hires we've gone through, you know, we went through Frank Solich, we got some some, we got Bill Callahan, who nobody anticipated even being a candidate for the job. Uh, when he got fired, it was Bo Pelini, which everybody expected because that's what everybody wanted. Uh, and then when he got fired, it was Mike Riley, who people had to Google to figure out who the hell he was. I called him Mark Riley for like two months. And, and, and then after he got fired, it was Scott Frost, but that's who everyone was clamoring for. 
And there's not really a coach this year that everyone's clamoring for. And so it seems back to the cycle that we're going to get somebody that we're not expecting to get. Yeah, I agree with Derek completely. That's another reason why with the field. But I will also say, like, there's there's other names out there that I would give base hits to for sure. I think there's other guys that would get on base out there. Um, But I also think this, you you say you trust Trev. And, you know, I, I, I have kind of a lukewarm relationship with what I feel with Trev Alberts right now. Um, but what I do think is that Trev Alberts knows football and I, you go back and you listen to his, uh, comments he made when we hired, uh, Bill Callahan and he was talking about how we should have got Kurt Ferentz and who knows if that was a possibility or not, but that was before Ferentz was Kurt Ferentz. And obviously that worked out really well for him. I think he knows football um, I, I do, I, I do have as much trust in him to make the right hire as I've had in any athletic director and that I could think of. You think Trev tries to steal Brian Ferentz? <laughs> well, I'm hanging up, I'm hanging up my microphone if he does. <laughs> yeah. I mean, gosh, do you, can you, maybe do you he's think- a better CEO than he is offensive coordinator. I don't know. If, if Trev Alberts hired Brian Ferentz, do you think... Iowa would retire Trev Alberts jersey. Like would they like frame a Trev Alberts jersey in their Nebraska stadium? Nebraska fans would never have to buy another beer in Iowa ever again. Ever again. <laughs> ever again. Does Petrus have any eligibility? Would he come with him? Oh my god. <laughs> you guys are depressing me right here. That's So one of the things that I don't want to see and I know we're going long here, but I do not want to see Trev Alberts take a shot with Outside of Bill O'Brien, who's an offensive coordinator, uh, coordinator now, but I do not want to see an offensive coordinator or defensive coordinator uh, out there take the jump to a first-time coaching gig at Nebraska. I do not want to see that. So I would really, really lose faith in Trev Alberts if that were the case. But uh, okay, look, If you're going to throw that out there, I want to throw this one out there. One thing I really don't want to see, and this is why I don't really want Matt Rule more than anything – so I don't want to go after a coach that just got fired either. Like, I just is that even counting the NFL though? Are you still counting that? Yeah, it still counts. Really? Yes. Urban Meyer just got fired. I, yeah, Urban Meyer got fired. I guess, but be consistent. He's, he's way he's way more proof than Matt Rule. Yeah, I I again, and he he wasn't just recently fired. I mean, he was fired a year ago. I I he's just a, I he's just a commentator now. I, I just what I really really hope is at the end of the day, like that we. I just hope it's not a money thing. I just whatever it is, I hope we're making a smart financial decision, like if we're not going cheap on a coach for whatever reason, and that is just my fear is that Trev Alberts is always that really fiscally responsible guy for me, and I just worry that. He'd be like, well, we got to do the right thing for the program. And we're going to spend, you know, $4 million. But I just worry about him being a cheap ass. Are you suggesting his name might be Trev Albertstein? <laughs> Is that what you're saying? Uh, and let's get to games of the week on that note. All right, let's uh, let's breeze one, through one, these. One more name. Hold on. One, one more name that we kind of talked about, but not as a coaching hire, that I would have loved would have been Lane Kiffin. You would have been triple. I'd love to. I, to the thought of getting him would excite me a lot. Like, yeah, he's he's an easy triple for me. Yeah, I, I, mean, I, 
And I is actually that even a plausible? More... Is he a plausible candidate? No, but he's more likely than Brett Bielma. Really? There's I mean, no I, way. I, we're I, Brett I, I've seen. I, I've seen. I've seen talks of, of it. I mean, I, I there, there. He hasn't been overly happy at Ole Miss because they don't have fans come to the to the games. And he has played Alabama. He's made comments about that every year. He has I mean, to play Alabama. I, yeah, I, I I don't know. I, I don't think he's. As ungettable maybe as you guys think he is, but he's probably not an easy get either. All right, let's breeze through anyway. these games of the week here. We got six on the slate. Last week we all went three and three. That was a uh, tough sledding right there. So both of you guys are twenty nine and thirteen on the year, and I'm still seven games back at twenty two and twenty. Uh, let's see if I can get it back here. Uh, we got some really good games here. Uh, we could only pick six, uh, but there's a lot more than this. Uh, so the first game, number 14, Syracuse at number five, Clemson, Derek. I got to go Clemson. I, Syracuse is having a magical year, but I, Ugalele has just turned out to be the quarterback. Everyone thought he was going to, well, it took four years, uh, three years, <laughs> but he, but he's there. I mean, like it or not, he's there. Tyler. So yeah, shockingly enough, Syracuse has the better defense on Saturday. Trivia fact for you doesn't really matter because I think Clemson is way more battle-tested with victories over FSU and Wake Forest already. So I got Clemson in this game. I have Clemson as well. Uh, Syracuse, uh, are they a fake 6-0 or whatever the hell they are? They beat Purdue. That's true, yeah. We couldn't do that. Close. We were close. We're one stop away, guys. One stop away. All right, here's a, here's a game. I hate the Pac-12, but I'm going to admit this is a, an pretty exciting game number nine ucla at number 10 oregon the over under on this game is like 70 and a half uh derek uh i i, I went with the home team here i think oregon pulls out pulls it out maybe uh they've been playing pretty good ball ever since that blowout from georgia uh ucla is a really good team and i wouldn't count them out i'm giving oregon just the home field advantage more than anything tyler well, you mentioned the 70 and a half. I already bet the over because Oregon has scored 40 points in every game since they played Georgia. UCLA has scored over 40 points in five of their contests. This is good. They're both teams are coming off of a bye week. So you've got to assume their offenses are going to be humming. Yeah, it's going to be good. I, I just think UCLA, in spite of what they've done, still comes a little fake to me. The Chip Kelly factor is interesting in this game, but I, I got Oregon in it, so. Okay, well, we we differ here. I'm taking UCLA. UCLA, they're coming off of uh, back-to-back uh, top 25 wins. Uh, Chip Kelly is actually being the Chip Kelly that we thought he would be. Uh, it was going to be, you know, from his times at Oregon. And he's going back home to Oregon to whoop the shit out of this duck, so. Man, remember when you thought UCLA was a garbage team? Like two weeks ago, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I I still don't respect any Pac-12 school, so I still don't respect UCLA. I'm picking UCLA in this game, uh, but I do think that it'll be a lot of offense because Pac-12 is just—they're just naturally terrible at football. Uh, number twenty, Texas at number eleven, Oklahoma State. Tyler, yeah, Texas is a different team with Quinn Ewers. Um, he's had seven touchdowns since returning from injury. You have Bajon Robinson, who is twelfth in the country rushing. I like Oklahoma State, but I think Texas has too much firepower for them. I got uh, Texas in this game. 
Derek. You, you have to add the fact that Oklahoma State's coming off of a brutal loss to TCU. Uh, had to be emotionally damaging. You wonder where their head's at. I, I think Texas comes out with a win in this one. Man, I'm opposite of you guys again. I have Oklahoma State. I think they Oklahoma State is just going to come off uh, off of that loss. Now, TCU is a really good team. They are a really good team. Uh, oh, absolutely. I, and I don't damn them for losing that game. But, uh, but I think uh, Oklahoma State being at home, I just think they're just going to get that slight edge. I think the line is like six points. Texas is favored by six. But I, I like Oklahoma State uh, here. Uh, speaking of TCU, number 17, Kansas State at number eight, TCU. Derek. You know, this is the this will be the fourth game in a row that TCU will have played a ranked team. Not that they're all still ranked, but they're not, a lot of them aren't ranked because TCU beat them. Uh, I, I think they do it a fourth time in a row. I, I, I think TCU finds a way to beat Kansas State. Uh, Tyler. Yeah, I mean, this this right here is the best game of the weekend to me. I mean, you have Deuce Vaughn and Adrian Martinez leading to one of the best rushing attacks in the country. They're seventh in the country in rushing at K-State. TCU is 14th in the country. TCU is number one in the Big 12 in offense. K-State is number two in defense. A guy that we did not talk about in the coaching search that really possibly would have been a base hit, maybe even a double for me, is Chris Kleiman at K-State. Um, I like him, and I think because him and my boy Adrian Martinez, I like Kansas State with the upset victory. Did you hear, like, uh, I think Brett McMurphy, he tech, uh, tweeted it out today, saying that uh, Adrian Martinez is the only quarterback with X amount of passes that has not thrown an interception this year. Has he fumbled, though? That's pretty crazy. Has he fumbled? That's really the question with Adrian. I'm sure he has. Were I mean, terrible. He, he 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 runs just as much as what he did at Nebraska. So, uh, but I don't know. I mean, he hasn't thrown an inter- interception. That's that's pretty interesting. Uh, but no, I, I'm I'm gonna take TCU. TCU they they've they've super impressed me with their offense, high powered offense. I mean, uh, but I think it'll be a good game. Uh, I'll still be rooting for Kansas State though. I will be rooting for Adrian Martinez. Uh, let's bring it to the Big Ten here with Purdue at Wisconsin. Derek. Oh man, I tell you what, I Purdue won me over a little bit. I think they're they're the better team. Uh, they definitely proved to be better in Nebraska. Wisconsin's not really impressed me with what they're doing this year. Uh, that loss to Michigan State, I think, looks pretty bad. Uh, I think Purdue f- finds a way to pull this one out again. Tyler. Weird game. How is Wisconsin favored right now? Um, no idea. And and yet when I see that I'm like it kind of makes sense. Camp Randall's a tough place to play. I I think Purdue left that game kind of bruised a little bit. I mean their offense has to be tired after running so many plays. Yeah, I and mean, our they, defense they, beat them up. I mean, <laughs> but I mean I I it, it's a weird game. I really thought about picking Wisconsin this game. Probably the toughest game to pick for the weekend for me. But just I, I'm going to go Purdue. I think that they're just the better team. Yeah, I bet Purdue already. Getting two points. I don't care if it's at Wisconsin. It's not a night game. It's an afternoon game. Uh, Purdue, I mean, shit. They found a running game. Of all teams, Purdue found a running game. And uh, 
that that impresses me. So let's uh, build on to the Jim Leonard problems right there, and uh, Wisconsin will take the loss. So I got Purdue. Uh, final Big Ten game that we'll talk about is Minnesota at number 16, Penn State. Derek? Uh, I, I don't know what to get out of Minnesota at this point. They're kind of on a downhill projection here. Uh, Penn State's coming off a big loss to, to Michigan, but I still think they're the better team overall. I think I think Penn State at home will find a way to win this game. Penn State, okay. Tyler? You know, it, it's not just that Minnesota's kind of struggling right now. It's they're banged up. Tanner Morgan has a concussion. Mohim Ibrahim has been banged up for weeks now. You go to Happy Valley, night game. I mean, if, if Minnesota was healthy, maybe I'd buy that. With them injured as they are, I've already got my money on Penn State. I, I got Miss Penn State with the cover, so that was the first bet I made I will, this weekend. I will, say, I will say this. I'd take the under in this game. What's the under at right now? I think I saw it at 44 and a half. 44 and a half? It's probably yeah. not. But, but I got Penn I State winning this game. Again, it would have been it would be different if I thought Minnesota was healthy. I like I, Penn I might, State. Yeah, I like Penn State. Yeah, injury prone there or injury problems, not prone. Injury problems right there for Minnesota, and they've been a lot down even when they were mildly healthy. It just seemed like I don't know. I, I like they, Penn State. They had an easy non-conference, and then they got into conference play, and it was back I, in the rea- it was back to reality. I fed you know I buy into uh, PJ Fleck every single year, you know. And they slip up. I mean, he'll probably beat the shit out of Nebraska, but it happens. Uh, All right, guys, we went super long here. For all of those that are still listening, we apologize. Uh, But uh, we're going to enjoy the ball. We're going to enjoy the bye week. And we will be back here next week to talk Illinois. So special thanks to our producer, Connor Russell, for putting this audio together for us. Uh, Look for episodes anywhere you get your podcasts. On behalf of Derek and Tyler, we want to thank everybody for listening, uh, still listening. And as always, go Big Red. Go Big Red.